This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by Sales Fuel Consulting, leading experts for assessing and transforming management, sales, culture, and team performance. Learn more at salesfuel.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Manage Smarter Podcast. I'm Audrey Strong. I'm the Director of Communications for Sales Fuel. Welcome, everybody. And I'm C. Lee Smith. I'm the President and CEO of Sales Fuel. And Turn Consulting's principal and founder, Melanie Blado, is with us today. Hi, Melanie. Welcome to the table. Well, you are a global expert in connecting people, business, and technology, and you believe that business strategy and people skills will differentiate the tech leaders of the future. You're going to show us how. You're in Alaska, of all places, which is super cool. And guys, she's also an airplane pilot. What more could you want? (laughs) Welcome, Melanie. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I was reading a little bit about um, your approach to managers, and you're really all about the why, not really the, the execution of the how. Talk a little bit about, uh, for our audience, about your management philosophy, about the why. So I think it's really important, especially when we look at implementing technology, to understand what it is that you want to achieve with that as a business. And I think a lot of organizations spend a lot of money and a lot of time and effort in their processes around how they're going to execute projects, what they're going to do in terms of understanding uh, the, the technical landscape that they have and the way the technology will fit into their overall picture, but they don't spend a lot of time looking at the particular questions around why do you do a specific activity? What decisions do you need to take with that information that's, that your system is going to store for you? And therefore, what actions is it going to enable you as a business? And I think just a little bit more time and focus up front on understanding that and using some specific techniques and tools to elicit that can actually save a lot. Because if you understand, for instance, in a project I'm working on now, that a specific piece of your process is no longer necessary, well, you don't need to now put that into a tool to do it. So spending a lot of time up front understanding what it is you want to achieve with technology, how it's going to fit in your business, and why it's important for you and why people will be using it is very important to it ultimately being successful to create change in your organization. What are some of the fears that people commonly have about technology changes that you've encountered? Uh, Certainly, a lot of people are afraid that things will be different. Like, I think what happens is a lot of people learn their job by rote. So they know a series of steps that they have to execute. And if those steps change, that's how they figured it out. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes you need to give them a new path with new steps and also give them a piece in creating that because a lot of people fear things happening to them rather than being a part of something new. And another thing that's common is that people fear that technology will take away their job. And what I like to say is it's not going to take away your job. It's just going to change how you relate to your job and potentially um, take away some of the things that are not fun for you and give you more responsibility to find things that are, that your company could do better with the new technology that they have or how your job could be better or or give you time to work on the things that are more interesting from your professional perspective. So are are there some common steps that, that, that a manager can take then for laying in change or laying the, uh, the groundwork for change then before it actually happens so that that you increase adoption? Yeah, I think one of the most important things to do is to look at 
why are you changing out a system? And in my opinion, there are three drivers. Um, there's uh, efficiency. So are you changing out a system because you want your business to be more efficient? Are you changing out a system or implementing a new system because you want to reduce some kind of risk? So a common one in management today is around cybersecurity. So there will be security measures that are implemented to reduce risk in terms of cybersecurity. And the third one is, are you looking to do what I call invention or create something new? So if you can look at it through those three different lenses, that will help you understand what it is ultimately you want to achieve as a business, either creating efficiency, reducing risk, or creating something or opening up something that you couldn't do before. Do you have a case study that sort of gives somebody who's not as familiar with the phrase digital transformation, which is kind of what you talk about, what mm -hmm. that, define what that is and what that potentially most commonly looks like? To me, digital transformation is changing the way that a company executes its work. So it's saying we're going to take technology and we're going to change how your business processes function. And we're going to um, make that more efficient and more effective. And we're going to use new digital technologies to enable you to do something different or better as a business. So for example, I'm working on a project right now with a client to change out a kind of um, accounting system. And one of the things that we are looking at is uh, they do accounting on behalf of several other companies as well. And so we're looking at putting a, a, this potential new system in the cloud. And one of the things that that will enable them to do is not have to collect information uh, through email from other people, but rather they'll be able to give them direct access to this new system. So we'll actually change the way this particular company operates with its partner organizations. So when you think of technology that way, rather than, oh, we're implementing a cloud solution, you think about it instead as we're actually changing the way your business will operate and relate and connect with your partners and share information. And that's the fundamental change that this is making. So when I look at that through my three lenses, to me, that's an efficiency hmm. value driver. So you come across, a, let's say you come across a company that, um, they're way behind the times, okay? I mean, they, they've, they've missed a few paradigm shifts along the way. And what do you recommend for them? Do you recommend that they take baby steps uh, and to try to catch up? Or do you recommend that they take a quantum leap and just go ahead and rip the Band-Aid off and let, let's just, let's take you from the 19th century to the 21st century? Well, I think first they should look at where are they going to get the most value out of change and then focus all of their resources, money, management energy, change management energy into that. And I think a lot of places feel like, oh, I'm behind and I need to implement all the stuff all at once. And then there's a danger that because you're trying to do everything, you can't accomplish anything. So it's really important to focus and prioritize. For instance, if you're, um, I worked in oil and gas for a long time, oil and gas exploration. And that's really about having um, good understanding of what happens what the under the ground subsurface um, mineral and oil and gas content is. So therefore, focusing your technology investment on things that will help you have a better understanding of that will ultimately create more value for you as a business. So that's one example of where I would think to do that. Or for a company that is um, selling products, you know, maybe looking at where are you able to get better information on what your consumers want or need that will help you make products that better serve them that drive your sales instead of, for instance, focusing on implementing an accounting system. So it's really often that people are not really thinking and prioritizing about where their technology investment will actually recoup the most value for them as a business. 
So a manager really could also look at this internally as opposed to like, oh, I can sell more widgets. Our audience should see technology and digital transformation as an opportunity in their little sphere of influence to maybe audit their systems and look at it and go to their higher up and say, I'd like to, we could, if we did this, this would save us this, or this would streamline that. I mean, this would give us this efficiency or reduced risk and so on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's all about how you approach the problem that you want to solve. And I think for a lot of, so there's, there's two sets of managers that get involved in this in most companies. There's kind of the, the IT management group who is accountable for delivering these IT projects. Mm-hmm. And then there's the business managers who are accountable for delivering their lines of business. And I think some of the challenges that most companies face is that artificial division between the two. Um, so often the IT organization will be like, well, we're not accountable for the process. You know, it's up to the business to figure that out. And the business organization will be like, well, we don't really understand what this technology is going to give us. And we're expecting you to help us, you know, figure that out. And there can often be a standoff between the two, which is why a lot of companies struggle to implement technology. And sometimes they speak two different languages almost. For sure. Yeah. So um, I've often referred to myself as an expert geek to human translator. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're in a company that is a little bit antiquated, though, um, and you are on board with, you know, Melanie's school of thought, how do you gently persuade Oh, we've used, said this before on the podcast that the late adopters or the no adopters that are above you? Uh, to understand that, you know, we, we really need to move forward with some of this stuff. You can't. Mm-hmm. Company culture-wise, how do you create that kind of change when there's really not a lot of forward thinking going on? Where you above, well, you. Yeah, right. above, above you. Above you. Yeah. Okay. So uh, this is where you have to employ my, I also have a methodology for doing what I call hacking organizational politics. And um, the first thing that you need to do if you want to be successful in any company, I call it, you need to do an anthropology study. So you really have to go and sit for a long time with your leaders and understand what's important to them. What do they value? What do they care about? How are they approaching other business problems? What's big on their agenda? What's their business strategy? So you spend a lot of time with your leaders really fundamentally understanding them. I like to liken it to imagine that you're like an anthropologist that's going to go see a foreign tribe, right? <laughs> so I put, I, put, I put my scientist hat on and I go in there and I just spend a lot, a lot of time and a little bit my, my psychologist hat on, spend a lot of time really understanding what's important to the leadership. Once you have a sense of that, then you can start to look at, well, what do I have today that could help them in some way? So if you're in charge of uh, the technology portfolio for your organization, for instance, maybe there's one, and I call it finding a cookie. Maybe there's just one small thing that they complained at you about. So I have an, a, a, an example that I like to tell about, it's my story of how I got $1.1 million in five minutes. And, oh, I gotta hear uh, <laughs> yeah. and what, what happened was um, I had one of the, I was working in the oil field and we were looking at a, a project on uh, mobile rounds and readings. And one of the field managers came up to me one day and was like, hey, this mobile rounds and reading system we have, it's not really working. What can we do to be better at it? And I said, okay, well, you know what? I'll go back, I'll take a look and I'll come back to you. He's like, great, we have a meeting with our VP uh, next week. Can you come? And I was like, sure, it's the VP and all of his direct reports. Great, I'm gonna come. So I went and I got, at the time, one of my best consultants and we worked to figure out what the landscape was for all this different technology. And um, we put together a fantastic slide deck 
And uh, we get in there and of course these are the, this is VP of operations and there was something, uh, you know, I don't know, some kind of operational incident and I'm sitting in the room and five minutes goes by and there's no one and 10 minutes goes by and there's no one and 12 minutes goes by and I'm like, all right, well, I guess something came up and this manager comes running into the room and he sits down in front of me. He's like, I'm so sorry. We're not gonna be able to meet today. Um, there was something that happened, but I do have five minutes right now. So can you tell me, you know, what, what you came up with? And I was like, okay. And I put all the slides aside and I just gave him the one, two, three bullet, like really quick. He's like, great. That sounds like an awesome solution for us. How much is that going to cost? And I was like, 1.1 million. He's like, done. I'm going to send you the cost code next week. So how did I do that? The way that I did that was when I first started working in the oil field, I spent a lot of time. I went, I, I worked in town and, and the field is about 850 miles away. So you have to fly there. And I would spend just many days going and talking to people, finding out what their issues were. And I sat down with this particular manager um, and just kind of, you know, tell me your problems, what's going on here. And the way this whole relationship started was that he had a real challenge, which we all have, around managing his passwords. He's like, you know, the biggest headache I have is I have so many passwords for so many different systems and I can't remember them. And I was like, well, okay, well, you know, we got this password manager tool. I'll send you the link to it. And then that securely stores your passwords and it's approved and whatever. So that was a small little thing that I could do to help him. One of the so, other things you, oh, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, so that small little thing that I could do to help him and it, it was very simple. It was a 30 minute meeting and two minutes on email. And over time, I just kept finding other smaller things that I could do to help him. And eventually, two years later, I was leading you know, a big program and had built up enough trust with them to be able to um, implement technology. And they, they really thought that, they really had a feeling that I understood where they were coming from and had their best interests at heart. And I think that's really what's important for technology leaders. Yeah, and, and it's, you provided it, it, value too. Yeah, and exactly. What, yeah. But, it's, but that was driven by the discovery process. The, yes. that, that, that's critical not for every manager then to know their people, but also not only their people below them, but, but also above them. And, but I think the other thing that you did right there is that you might, you might find that, that that slide deck that you put together might have been far less effective because these days it seems like managers then just give me, you know, give me the quick synopsis. I don't need to know every single detail. I trust you to take care of the details. You know, give, it, give me bullet points or whatever. Again, tell me what I need to know. Boom, I can make a decision and go from there. I, th I think that uh, by, by taking that summarized approach, is the reason why they call it an executive summary. Uh, I think that, you know, I think that you actually did the right thing there uh, and would have been far more effective than your, probably than your prepared slide deck. <laughs> I, it, it's true, though. I did have the, our consultant that worked on that came up to me afterwards and he'd spent like quite a late night. He's like, were my slides effective? How did they, how did they <laughs> oh, like my God. slides? And I was like, <laughs> and, and I said to him, and this was not a lie, I said, yes, your slides were very effective. And they were effective because of exactly what you just said they helped us understand the top three things that were the most important. Again, it comes down to prioritizing and making choices. Mm -hmm. But that is another good lesson though for everybody, a good reminder that you, sh you can have your presentation, but you also better have this in your brain in the form of an elevator pitch. Mm -hmm. Right, right. At all times. So yeah. well, it was actually good that he, didn't, that he only had five minutes. When you look yeah, at he, he probably would have asked me a lot harder questions <laughs> if he'd had more time. Right? And then, the other thing was that, you know, they, they had already identified this as a major problem. Um, so it's helpful. And, and you can see that when you talk to your leadership, right? You can see that. You can start to ask probing questions about what they're having difficulty with and kind of keep coming back every time you go um, to seed them to understand what it is that their issues are and then bring a solution where technology can help. Definitely. 
A lot of us have uh, have this idea or this image of, of Alaska in our head, you know, from whether it be from one of the TV shows we've watched or something like that. Um, so are there any unique challenges that you face in running a business from, from Alaska, that, that, like when you have to travel to a, to a client that might be, say, in the lower 48 states or uh, in Canada somewhere or something like that? Or are there really none? And is it just like doing a business, any other business anybody else does? I think it's just like doing business anywhere. Alaska is a great place to do business. Um, it's a great place to live. We have um, you know, a lot of interesting things going on here. We have oil and gas fishing, tourism are some of our big major things. We also have a lot of uh, government and military that's happening here. Um, in terms of running a business from here, you know, planes fly all over the world. And <laughs> you know, with, the, with the advent of, of the internet and, and communication that we have, it's very easy to work with people all over the world um, and not have to necessarily be there all the time. Yeah, well, if people are interested in Turn Consulting, it's um, your Melanie Blado on LinkedIn. How do you want people to reach out to you? Um, LinkedIn, LinkedIn is good. And also, yeah, LinkedIn is good. And then I can also be reached at Melanie at MelanieBlado.com. That's and perfect. The name of your company is Turn Consulting, T-E-R-N-Consulting.com. Correct. Yes. And that is after that is named for a rather famous bird that we have here. So I don't know if you know the story of the turn. I do not. You know what? I wanted to ask the question, but I was afraid I was going to come across as stupid because I should have known the answer to the question. <laughs> so I'm glad you went in and jumped in and answered it. So go, yeah. go tell me more. I want to know more about this bird. So the Arctic Tern is the longest migrator on the planet. And I named my company for the Arctic Tern because I really think he represents what a good strategy is. So the Tern is very good at hovering and gliding and migrates every year from the Arctic all the way to the Antarctic and back again. Wow. So, uh, yeah, and, and another interesting thing that, that the Tern does is that um, they don't take like a straight line. It's not like the turn plots a straight line, you know, on a line of longitude to go from the South Pole to the North Pole, but they take advantage of prevailing winds and they um, look to find the easiest path and find the best uh, nest feeding grounds along the way to his nesting grounds. And then, so he doesn't get distracted along the way. So he's got his strategy, he's got his execution plan, and he's going to go all the way from the Arctic to the Antarctic and back again. And most people would look at this little bird and think, wow, you're crazy. But because of that, it's one of the most prevalent birds um, in the Arctic region. And it's the bird's going to be more efficient by, by using the prevailing winds. And the bird's Correct. going to be adaptable, too, so that to, to, to the situations. And so there you go. That makes a lot of sense to me. Well, you certainly yep. personify that. Makes sense, Melanie. Wow. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, everybody, we want to encourage you to go to ManageSmarter.com. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Share this podcast. Tell a friend. Melanie's going to tell all her friends and stakeholders, right? And uh, we appreciate it. It's where all fine podcasts are found on iTunes and Google Play and iHeartMedia and all that good kind of stuff. So thanks, Melanie, for joining. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. It's been a privilege. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.